I am fascinated by how you got this, went into pet food and in such a short time, you just uh, scaled it and you're doing immensely well in the direct-to-consumer market. So that's what excited me when I was watching you and the information you put out, the community that you've created is so different than what I see here in the US. I mean, I've been, I had a holistic pet retail store for many, many years. In 2005, I was pushing raw food on people. Wow. Wow. Um, I was making my own raw cat food in 2000. So it's been a long time. I've been doing <laughs> playing with, with raw meat for a long time, but um, it's taken a long time to catch on. It, and not all raw food is created equal. So you definitely stand out. Um, and this is why I asked if you could do this uh, episode with me. So welcome, Mark Scott, <laughs> the Chief Emotions Officer of Bella and Duke. Hello. <laughs> Thank you, Taz. Thank you, Taz. So elegantly put. And um, you're right. If it wasn't for early adopters like yourself, the industry wouldn't be where it is. And look, the, the toughest part start is just getting the train moving. Once the moving, the, the train's moving, then you can just keep the momentum going. So it's only because of awesome people like yourselves who, who got out there and pioneered it. Give me a little history about Bella and Duke. Um, so Bella and Duke. Yes, it's an overnight success, but typically there's 20 odd years worth of <laughs> other businesses I've done right and wrong uh, and le learning my skill. So uh, when you were pioneering raw back in the day in the 20s, I was running other businesses um, around about six, six and a half years ago. I was actually running six different businesses and uh, I just burnt myself out and I decided to take a year out. Uh, annoy my kids for a year uh, and do all that stuff as my goddamn right as a father to do and um, <laughs> and uh, I really I, I mean mentally I was really down the dumps I didn't feel like I was providing as a husband as a father and I was really really dark place uh, and my health had massively deteriorated and then I um, started reading up about biohacking I don't know if that's a phrase that you're aware of so, Familiar with uh, it? Yes. so I became a biohacker and started to hack my body and mind for best performance. Um, and I improved my nutrition. I got rid of all the crappy fast food, TV, meals, etc., and started feeling myself good. I started doing a lot of meditation, go out for walks. And funny enough, um, we had the storm in Scotland and a tree had fallen down in front of my house. And every single morning, I'd go out with my axe and I'd go and chop a bit up. And I said, whenever, when I finish this tree, I'll know what I want to do next in, in my life. And um, at this time, um, my neighbor, Tony, who I played golf with, well, I attempted to play golf with, um, he, he and I had four dogs between us and three of them got cancer all under the age of 10. And I'm like, this is crazy. All at the age of 10? All under the age of 10. So Gus was six. He was a Labrador. He was six. And I'm like, this is crazy. And then I looked at the dog food and I went, no friggin' wonder. No friggin' wonder. And that was my aha moment. Um, so then I started to research, found about raw. And at first I was like, raw, like everybody. 
And then it kind of sits with it. It makes sense. There's what, 8.7 species on planet Earth. How many eat cooked or processed food? <laughs> so 99.99999% eat raw. And which are the ones that are um, the ones with chronic diseases? Well, guess what? It's humans and the domesticated animals that we look after. So it was like, aha, uh -huh, right. Mother Nature seems to know what she's doing. Um, so that was the start of my journey in, in, into RAW. And at this time, Morpheus, who was my border collie, uh, had cancer. And we were getting him on RAW. We were using chaga tea and all these things that we know that could help with cancer or get rid of cancer. And his inflammation markers and his blood tests that we did, because by being biohackers, we went starting to measure things. And we noticed they were coming down. And we went on a, uh, on a holiday uh, with the family and we came back. My friends was looking after Morph and trim my dogs. And unfortunately, I found Morph lying at the front door, not moving. And he was just panting. And I went, okay, okay. So I picked him up with the kids, literally just on, you know, entered the car, put him in, and we flew down to the vets. And the vet's like, you've tried everything, but unfortunately, he's in a lot of pain the best thing you could do is, is put him to sleep. Now, I'd never had to put a dog to sleep before, so I didn't know what was involved. And I thought when they injected them, they might like, have 30 minutes, you know, and just slowly, but it was instant. Like instantly he was gone. He was on this metal table, the worst experience, made that decision and he was gone. And I, and I, and I just stood there, Taz, I was just so pissed off that I thought I'd be looking after my dogs doing the right thing, do the marketing, do what the vet said. And yet I've been feeling this highly processed food and I was just mad. And a couple of days after that, I was speaking with Tony, who's um, Gus had one month to live. Uh, the Labrador, the other dog, and unfortunately Barney had died. Um, and I'm like, and Tony's background's in the meat industry. I said, Tony, we've got to do something about this. This is crazy. This is not right. And uh, it was at that point that I decided to to do something about it and get Banner and Duke Company going. Now, my background, I've run lots of businesses, but marketing and building communities. I even had a, I ran a door-to-door -door business for seven years as a youngster. I had 200 guys working for me. So I had a lot of experience in, in doing sales and, and getting the messaging out there. I'm not a vet. I'm not a scientist, but I am a Scotsman with a mission. And... Uh, <laughs> And that mission was to find the right people to, to, to help us build a, a, a brilliant brand, have food that people trust and, uh, and change the pet food industry. And when you have a mission like that, you just think a lot bigger. You don't get caught up in the, in the small stuff. And you just, you just, I think you become authentic, you become passionate and people are attracted to it. And one of the things I did at the very start was build a, a group because I thought, well, the best thing about a community is they keep you on track. They hold you accountable. And uh, and many brands won't do that because they just don't want the hassle. And um, that was. Well, well, I think, Mark, I think many brands don't want they just want to get to market. They want to get the sales. And they forget the heart that they I hope they started the brand with a lot of. And also these big corporations come in and invest in brands when you have investments. But I, I know you 
have gotten investments to grow your business, right? You, you've, sure. you yeah. can do this on your own. It doesn't mean you have to give up your vision, does it? Absolutely. No, absolutely. And that's part of the, I think the years of experience of doing different things is if you build the culture right, if you have the vision right, it runs itself. And there's a reason we didn't call it the Mark and Tony pet food or whatever. It was never about us. It was never an ego thing for us. It was about changing the industry. So when you're, when every decision I make is, is this going to help change the industry? Are we doing, are we being a shine light, for example? And sure, we've made mistakes. And you say it's come all the time. Um, so, you know, all these things were uh, part of the journey of where we want to do and change the industry. So building that culture, building, and I, I see brand almost like a, a moral compass like you you put these out here and my decisions i just check my vision check the mission statement and the first thing is pets come first now i see this on many pet retailers and pet brands and but i'm like really if it is pets come first why aren't you learning the latest nutrition why why aren't you adapting the stuff that we're learning in the human world into the pets world because the challenge, especially in the UK, we have the thing, I know it's a little bit different in the States, but in the UK, we have a thing called the NHS. Mm -hmm. uh, and the NHS, basically on the human world, um, if I get sick, the NHS looks after me and gets me better. So the government's got a real motivation to make sure our, our, our society in the UK is healthy because it's costing them so much money um, for sick people. Now, the biggest cause of sickness. Is the motivation associated with food intake, with consumption? Because often with government, it's give the lowest amount of revenue to the, the food sector, you know, just use and abuse. You know, we have confined farming environments. Um, we have processed foods, and we'll talk about your excursion into the processed food world and uh with government is just kind of quiet them down and band-aid the disease versus um take them to the next step and, and give them accountability and teach them how to help themselves so there's this push pull with the government so <laughs> and there is with the associations as, as well you know um... yeah yeah. At least the mobsters were honest when they said this is a protection riot, racket. Sorry, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> all these associations about protecting stuff. But you're right. But I think the point is, is that they're now fully understanding a lot more about human nutrition and the role it plays mentally, physically, gut flora. As you can see, all these things coming out, chronic diseases, you know, um, obesity, diabetes. But my point being is, there's a lot of good research already done in the human world that actually we could just apply to the pet world because mm -hmm. we're, we're so similar in many ways. Okay, I don't go around sniffing other people's butts. That's not my thing. But um, but apart from things like that, uh, you know, there's very similar things. So what we do is we apply a lot of that into the we pet can. world. And, yeah. and you know what? We're seeing great results. But there's no motivation for that so much in, in, in the pet world because as, as pet parents, we have to pay for our pets if they get ill it's not a government thing that has to pay for it so who's going to pay for the research into this because if it's not the government and if they you know if it's not pharmaceuticals because you can't make money off healthy animals you can't make money off healthy people so much 
So that's why there's a lack of science to support what all of us are seeing every single day. And that's how they get away with it for so long. And the analogy I always talk about, and Taz, tell me to shut up if I'm dribbling on too much. Dribble, um, dribble. Uh, um, it is the fact that, you know, the cigarette companies managed to do this for years and years and years and years and years. Yeah. Because you smoke Straight a cigarette, out. you don't die. You smoke a cigarette, you don't die. It's a chronic thing. It happens over time. And even if I do smoke 40 fags a day and get lung cancer, I still can't say it was a cigarette <laughs> that caused it. So it's even tougher with food. It's even tougher with food. Well, what's tough is well, with foods is when we have major corporations like Mars, Nestle, you know, these candy companies and actually actually marketing and on the boards. When you go to an AFCO meeting, like you have FEDIAF and in Europe, we have AFCO. Uh, you go there, the uh, half moon table is filled with FDA, the USDA and um, lobbyists from these manufacturers who make the decisions for pet food. And unfortunately, our veterinarians are being taught by these groups and scare tactics are created when it comes to raw. And that's the thing that I've experienced from the beginning of having pets. Everyone was afraid of raw food. And when it is a species appropriate I mean, no pet, no cat or dog is out there cooking meats, right? Yeah. So, or packaging or going to the store buying packaged products. And you did this 30 day, one month uh, test on yourself, trial on yourself where you ate nothing but processed foods to see how it would impact you. Meanwhile, our vets are uh, afraid saying, no, don't do raw food because of parasites or pathogens or bacterias and um, they're okay with processed foods. And those processed foods can have just as many parasites, pathogens and bacterias or mycotoxins. So first tell me, I don't even know what the hell I was going on that diatribe for, excuse me. Um, first tell me about this test you did on yourself. Did you really think that would you'd be able to correlate the results to how animals were impacted? Well, I wanted to, well, we first started chatting with my, my guys and we were chatting about, should we do some daft experience? And one thought was, well, why don't we feed Mark Kibble um, for a month and see what happens? Um, it was poo-pooed because we're in COVID. We didn't think it was wise to put me while the NHS and everything else was struggling uh, on it. So all I did, Taz, is I ate processed food. You're right. For breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now, typically, what are the type of foods I would eat where you eat more species appropriate. What I mean by that is I'd cook it myself, home cooked vegetables, meat, fish. And sometimes, you know, I'm at 20%. Who doesn't like popcorn? Let's, let's be honest. Mm, you know, right. so, but my body could cope because it was maybe 20% of my diet, not 80%. So then I went on to, uh, and I have to think back, this is over two and a half years ago, where I ate this processed food and um, I put on a load of weight. I had a massive inflammatory response around my stomach. I look like a right oh, yeah. chubby wubby. They call, they call uh, those love handles in the US. There's love handles, they yeah, yeah, make yeah. It sound good. <laughs> yeah, and I think the door was attached to those handles as well. It was getting quite yes. big. Um, and I put a load of weight on, and I just felt shite. That's the Scottish term yeah. for shit. Um, and I just was like, terrible. And I had started these sketchy skins. My I started getting hay fever. 
And then I went on to a raw, it's not a raw diet, a species appropriate diet again, which was eat fresh food and stuff like that. And, and I lost the weight again, but I never quite lost the weight that I was previous. And what happened was, is I got gout on this as Did well. You? And I'm like, Jesus, yeah, I got gout. And then, so I, I, a year and I talk to two years later on, I'm still dealing with the effects of that one month of eating processed food. And I'm thinking, imagine a pet who's on processed food and the same food yeah. for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Let's not even go about gut flora and all that stuff. But I'm just like, it absolutely knocked me. Uh, Let me ask me, you, would you... Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I saw you wearing, you were going through your office. You did a video a couple of weeks ago. You were running through your office, which is fabulous, by the way. Um, and uh, you were talking to your staff and you were wearing a CGM, um, a continuous glucose monitor. And I'm a type one diabetic. I, oh, okay. So you for me, for me, food is, I mean, it should be for everybody. Uh, fuel and water is what um, actually regulates our body. You know, food is fuel, water is our regulator. And these are the things that are missed by doctors, unless they're endocrinologists <laughs> dealing with diabetics. They actually will connect all the dots. And then hormonal balance and functionality all come into play. So I assume that was one of your biohacking. That's one of your biohacking devices and you're not a diabetic. No, absolutely. absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> okay. I, actually, I actually, I got that from a friend, uh, a guy called Mark Beaumont, who has the world record for cycling around the world in 77 days. So I'm like, uh, yeah, crazy stuff, you know? Um, were you using you, the CGM when we, when you were on the diet, when, when you were, no, uh, no, I, that would have been interesting to see what would yeah. happen with your glucose. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm, I, maybe I won't do the test again. Maybe I'll get somebody else. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, you learn that. And it was just interesting. I was interested to see what foods affected me, and I couldn't believe how much I spiked on potato and sweet potato, for example. I was just like, wow, that's a proper spike. And then seeing how you sleep through the night. And again, we could do this with pets in the future. That's what I'm excited about is the tech in the future. Because if anybody needs these sort of techs, it's our our cats and dogs because they can't say mm, this is sore this is painful so anything we can help around that but that's a, for another another podcast um so yeah so that 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 uh, all all this information is great because i can see how food and one of the biggest um detractors for me is alcohol like if i even mm -hmm. have a glass of wine that's it so i just don't drink or maybe I'll, i've got a christmas party tonight with the guys here I'll maybe have a couple of drinks, gin and tonic, but that's it. I, I just, I just stopped drinking, and it was one of the best things uh, for my, yeah. for my body, uh, uh, you know, off all the data and how I felt the following day. So yeah, I think um, all this stuff we're learning—not that my dogs ever had a beer—but um, all this stuff from the human wellness, I think we can apply to the pet wellness, and it kind of just makes sense. Kind yeah. of just makes sense. This stuff—it's not like I'm like this. Is what I get a bit frustrated with Taz. I'm like. I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, a vet, and I've figured this shit out, you know? Yeah, Mark, it's not, the sad part is vets are, um, they're busy dealing with the ailments, and the food, it becomes not even second, it's tertiary, it's, it's all the way at the end, at the bottom of, uh, of the whole process, and they don't even think about food as being the priority, and what I appreciate with what you've done is you've gone 
right to the community, your the, the people, the pet owners, and you've cut out the middleman, you're communicating direct with the people who want to make the change, but don't necessarily know how. So they need yeah. you and the expertise, even though you're not a vet, it doesn't mean that your drive isn't going to have you, which is what it's done, obviously. You have brought everyone together to create this environment so you can give the feedback to the consumers so they can carry your mission mm -hmm. forward. Am I, am I yeah, off the No, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think actually not being pigeonholed or boxed, most disrupting people or CEOs or entrepreneurs, or whatever you want to call this, they tend not to come from the industry. So then right. they think out of the box, they think differently. So all I'm doing is applying all the stuff that I've healed myself with, whether it's fixing leaky gut, whether it's getting rid of my histamine responses, all these things. Uh, I mean, for example, in uh, one of our boxes, we actually offer eight different proteins because you figure a dog, a cat is not going to capture the same animal in the wild every single day. They're going to scavenge, they're going to get a squirrel, they're going to get a pigeon. They're going to get maybe a deer carcass or whatever. So we try and mimic as much of that as possible. Uh, so it's that varied diet that, and it helps with the gut flora. Um, and I think ultimately, if, if, if your body is doing what it's meant to do, it can look after itself. And I jokingly say, you know, I always trust Mother Nature over lab coats any day, you know, because she's done not a bad job. And then we interfere with it to make our lives easier. And this is what happens. Well, let's talk about the fear, Mark. Let's definitely talk about the fear. You have um, food safety that you need to be very concerned with. And that's where vets tend to um, put the uh, fear of God into pet owners, you know, salmonella and every other parasite and bacteria. Tell me about raw safe accreditation and what that is and what you're doing here. Well, who are you collaborating with? So we weren't happy with the, the standards across the UK. And probably that's the same globally. Um, it's quite easy for somebody to say they're a, a raw manufacturer. There's not much to it. Uh, and we wanted to protect the industry. We wanted to have a really good standard. So the only way you can do that is by having a third party who regulates it. It can't be run by the Pet Food Association because they're trying to please everyone, hence the association, where vets will have a very different take on things. So we, we work with the Raw Feed and Veterinary Society and we're creating a, um, a third party accreditation. We have this thing called the BRCS, I think BRSC. Well, you can tell Tony, my business partner, deals all this stuff. But it's like a human grade standard you have to get to if you're going to supply to markets. So we applied the same in, in the pet food. What do we need to do to get to a human standard, if not better than, than a human factory, which is what we achieved. And this accreditation really has, I think it's like 200 different things they look at. Um, so, so for example, at Bella Reduce, what we do is on the day of the kill or within 24, 40 hours, that, that, that meat is frozen down, comes to is frozen. We process it frozen. I, it never goes above zero. It's then put into the packaging frozen. It goes into the freezer frozen. So at no point has the bacteria been had a time to grow because the best 
but the way to tackle it is just not allow the temperature to go to room temperature. Mm -hmm. So by the time it gets to the customer's door, frozen, you know, you could actually defrost it and have it sitting in your fridge comfortably for up to four days. You could actually probably have it longer, but we say four days just for safety reasons. Yeah. So that 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 is that process is so important. Now a lot of manufacturers don't do that. They bring it up to room temperature, then they mix it, and then they did it, and then they put it and it goes in. Yeah. Where we we paid extra for the big, big, big machines that just grind these things down frozen um and that was really important we spent about seven million quid investment just in our factory and our storage facility alone and every time someone comes to see it especially if it's got food experience they go wow this place is, is better than a lot of the human factories that they go to but that's what we want to create and that goes back to our values as a company of the change in the pet food industry you have to be an example for that um, and, and we're inviting vets to come. We're inviting our customers to come and visit. We've got nothing to hide. Let's see some of the other manufacturers do that, especially in the uh, processed food. Yeah, invite people. So, so you're not food. thermally treating any of your foods. You're not doing high pressure pasteurization or thermal nope. treated, nothing. Nope. So nope. you're you're as clean as they get. And do you use any bone meal or uh, because, I mean, you nope. know, bone, so, bone meal well, is cooked. So raw, you're nope. doing true raw. Yeah, we'll get a whole chicken. Yeah. We put that whole chicken in. So it's not even carcass. just the carcass. It's not the carcass, it's the whole chicken. So you're using but, feathers, head, beak, everything. Uh no, so so we don't do that bit. No. So I mean <laughs> the whole chicken is in as in the carcass, but with all the meat still intact. Yes. You know, it's of not course. like we're taking the fillets off. Mm -hmm. um, although you could potentially do that. We just don't do that. because um, it looks quite mean and there's a little beaks looking at you. <laughs> We've got to be still fairly popular. Um, I think in some Asian countries, not a problem at all, but uh, in the UK. So you do back, you do checks on the front end and the back end of your raw materials. Yeah, we have to. Uh, I mean, we have a thing called DEFRA in the UK where you have to do your testing, your batch testing, et cetera, et cetera. I know in the States, there's zero tolerance for salmonella. Which is it, it, that's kind of crazy. Zero tolerance is impossible with any raw food, and horses. Exactly. Yeah. So I, but, I, I was wait. What are you going to do when the dog goes out? Not let it sniff another dog's ass. You're not going to allow it to use its mouth to pick things up off the ground. You know, it's just salmonella is everywhere. Cat, seventy percent of cats eat raw by the nature of what they do. They go out. Yeah, we've really screwed up cats in this country. So yeah, you you know about that. It drives me crazy. So how are vets involved in your raw safe uh, program? Tell me what you're doing with the veterinary community, because they're the ones whose minds I believe we need to start changing. Is it, I'm not even sure changing. It's just having them see things differently than just that processed food as being the yeah. only way or the prescription diet as being the only way. Yeah, in the totally U.S., good. Mark, I'll tell you, veterinary veterinarians sell prescription diets, and I just found out it's easy for them to sell prescription diets because they don't have to pay sales tax on it in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, so I just found that out. I'm like, holy shit! So how is it there? So look, I'm not here to bash vets because they do an amazing job. Oh. Uh, they are wonderful people. I think they're most of them for the best part are there to to help pets have a, a wonderful lives. So I think with vets, like like doctors, I mean, doctors you go and see, they never ask you what you eat either. <laughs> so it's not just the pet world, it's there. And how can they? I mean, 
they spend five, seven years learning medical and then half an hour, half a day on nutrition across all animals. They go, how can they on earth learn about nutrition? They just can't. So I think what, what we've done is we've started to really try and encourage them to come and see our process. We want to create courses for them so they can do their CBD, I think they call it, Continuous um, Professional Development. CBD, yeah. Yeah, so um, encourage that. So that's the sort of thing we do. So we're not, we, we've got the handout to, to vets going, come and see us, come and check it out. Come and we'll answer your questions. Just come and see it. Uh, and the other part of Bella and Duke is we've got, look, we've got over 200,000 pets in our database now. The beauty of being deep sea is, is I can do a lot of research on our own database. So going forward, we're going to be funding this uh, and, and producing the results uh, and papers and stuff like that and working with universities, etc. Um, so that's what we are, are doing in the future is put the hand out, go look, come see our come see us, ask your questions. We're going to the vet shows now. Uh, and what's great, people like the Vet Times are really changing their stance about no raw to, well, maybe we should. And that's coming from clients going, I no longer trust my vet, which is a shame because they yeah. say I shouldn't feed my, my, my cat dog raw, but yet when I do it, they look amazing. The issues they have is gone. The itchy skin's gone. The behavioral issues have changed. The, the, the runny pools are now solid. All the things that you see when a, a body's working correctly because you're putting the right thing in. So I think I think with vets, I, I, think I see the tide changing out and that's exciting. I think they're veering more towards the cooked food, which is still processed. Um, mm -hmm. And that's you know, when you have companies like Mars buying into cook, buying cooked food companies for uh, ridiculous amounts of money and you know, getting it out to market and saying, oh, this is our natural food segment. And it's great that it's happening. We're moving ahead. But how do you differentiate that perspective of going into the cooked food sector versus um, yeah. raw. So look, the science is, I'm always gonna be led by science. So if the right thing is to do cooked fresh food, then I will do it because that's the right thing for pets. So if science comes out and says that's better than raw, then I'm, I'm here to do right by pets, not right by frozen or right by, you know, I'm not in a pigeonhole. I've yet to see that. And I think there's some cases where if you can mix it or, you know, some people live in a little, Got a tiny little freezer in the middle of New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm in there. It's a nightmare. You, you know what it's like unless you're totally dedicated. So you know, is there is there stepping stones too? Is there middle ground? And that's what we're working on as well. Look, we'll be honest. Go look. It's never going to be the gold standard of a balanced raw meal, but it's not far off it. Or I think um, in the uh, the Forever Dog by Rodney mm -hmm. and um, by Rodney and Karen. Karen yeah. You know, they say, you know, even if you there's the examples of 25% of raw balance is still giving you that gut flora, they're still giving you the benefits. So we're not here, we're not dogmatic where we're like, it's all or nothing in there. We're here to do right by our pets. So if we can find those middle grounds, we'll definitely work it. So I'm all open for continuously development. We've got some products that we are bringing out, which is not exactly raw frozen, but it's a good middle ground. It's almost like a gateway to the next stage and uh, we've just got to work within what we can uh, to make it more accessible to more people it's not necessarily make it more affordable um, because i think there's this false economy that 
and it's a bit like you know you got diesel cars in, in the states or you've got yeah. gasoline cars you know if you show up with your diesel car put gasoline in because it's cheaper you're just going to slowly break the car over time and, and i feel like people think putting cheaper food in it's cheaper but you're going to have a much bigger vet bill but you're not mm -hmm. going to know that because you don't connect the dots together and that's the bit we've got to continuously educate people on oh my god that's so true that's so true um your company you moved fast your company grew really fast what kind of i mean you brought you had to bring in amazing people to support you obviously can you yeah. talk about your staff and what you look for and um, what the next steps are for Bella and Duke. Are you heading out to the US and um, what's happening? <laughs> uh, number one, any staff I employ has to laugh at my jokes. Uh, they just, you know, I give them the five douche spot, you know, test now. So I think um, as, as CEO, I have to hold the vision. That's what my role is. And then find people who can help me achieve that vision. That's, that's how I see my role as CEO. Um, and I think when you've got a, such a big vision, people see opportunity for themselves and they buy into it. And I think even the youngsters of today, they are, they're more, they want to be part of movements. They want to be part of making the world a better place. So I think uh, from my perspective, it's really easy to attract people, great people, because I just turn on the passion, I just drive out. I just remember that my dog lying on that metal table, dying, and shouldn't have happened. And it's very easy for me just to, I remember why I do this every, every single day. And I, and, and, and I think that, that passion, that gen, and being genuine, um, authentic is probably a better word, is, the, is how I attract people to it. So I think once you've got that in yourself and you're doing something you're passionate about, everything else just seems to fall into place, Taz. I mean, this is the hardest, easiest business I've ever run. Because it's easy because I'm doing something that's making the world a better place. And my bigger goal, if I was to let you into my little secret, because mm -hmm. it's, it's only between you and I, my little sure. secret was the main reason I wanted to do this with pets was I wanted pet parents and parents and people who have families to go, you know what, if I feed my kids right, I might get the same results as mm -hmm. the pets. And this was a great way of doing it. And I think there's a real opportunity for vets to be a shining example to the rest of the medical professions in the world. Let's stop focusing on the symptoms, let's focus on the causation. That, that to me is where I really hit the jackpot. And that's my bigger goal, always has been. I make this place a better place. Even in my office, as you see, maybe some crazy videos we have, we call it park life. Uh, so we brought the park inside. I have up to 50 dogs in here. It's crazy. Sometimes I have to have their parents, pet parents in here with them. And we have a wellness, uh, we have wellness Wednesdays. I've got meditation pods for the guys. I've got little places where you can bring your dog in and, and work together if they're a bit antisocial sometimes. But I've got I've set it up to be a place where when you leave at the end of the day, you feel better than when you came in uh, culturally. Mm -hmm. And we haven't always got it right, and, you know, but attracting those people who are going to raise the vibration rather than bring it down. So that's all part of it because I think we've got a challenge ahead of us. So you definitely want people who are up for doing that. And I think you either love us or hate us, but at least you'll have an opinion of us. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> company, 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 company. What was that company name again? <laughs> okay, I, I want to work for you. Um, yeah. I, I saw your question about states. The other question was about states. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah so, so at the moment, I mean, I get asked all the time when you come to this country that we, we, we've still got a lot of headroom in the UK. We'll never say never, but probably not in the next 12 months when we'll be doing anything drastic. We've got to, we're just keeping up with our demand in the UK. But yes, it would be lovely to replicate what we're doing in other countries for sure. With the direct-to-consumer model, um, you, you, I mean, you get right to the right to your group. You get right to your community. Have you considered going to retail? Uh, yes, um, and it's, it's it's something that we potentially will look at over time. Um, I think you know, sixty percent of pet parents still don't buy online, so there's a huge market who want to try our food and and, and haven't yet. Uh, so I think there is an opportunity. Um, I think with the brand. People now we've built it to take this time, but it's got a real trust around it. So I think that's a very powerful message for some retailers to have. Um, so I think yes, in, in the future we may well go go retail. In the US, retailers feel like they have to create the brand. I think that's definitely flipped in in the last, especially since COVID, more and more so since COVID, because people aren't yeah. going out as much. So um retail doesn't have to me in the US having been in retail as well, they don't have the strength they used to. Yeah. I think the brands need to come forward and create that connection with the consumers. And then um, retailers need to follow suit. So it's a really strange place to be. And I do consulting with retailers in the US, independent retailers. And uh, I also consult with pet owners with pet food. So I hear both sides and pet owners are frustrated with their retailers and the lack of information. And they want a brand that's going to give them everything. And you have definitely, again, I've looked at tons of brands in the US and in Europe and yours is the one that's doing it the way I see, um, in my opinion, in my words, uh, is the best way possible in connecting to community and then making you know the businesses out there who are in the pet world think about what are we doing right or wrong how should we kind of change our trajectory and follow a path that gets everyone in a better place and we're creating goodness and it's not just empty words. So I absolutely appreciate what you're doing. And I've, I've been following you for a couple of months. I'm like, damn it, okay, I'm going to just reach out to him. Um, <laughs> Thank thanks you for saying yes, Mark. I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, I think um, the next evolution for us is every single pet will have their own wellness journey because uh, we were always a wellness business, but we had to start off with the food because uh, if you don't get the food right, it doesn't matter. I mean, you could be eating pizzas every single day and running half a marathon every single day. You ain't gonna get any healthier by doing that. If anything, you're causing inflammation and, and stresses on food side. Um, so it's just, it's just give those people that education, even down to, you know, worming tablets. Like we have no idea how that impacts the gut flora, but what I can guarantee we tell people to test their dogs for worms before you do anything with chemicals. And 
what surprised me was I think it was 94% of pets of dogs on Better and Duke on raw food um, mm -hmm. were worm free. 94% yeah. tested. Yeah. Yeah. Often they're told you should worm your pets every couple of months or weeks or whatever. You go, this is crazy. Where, where does that information come from? So another thing, pet parents, please just do your worm count. I don't know what they call it in the US, but do a testy dog for worms before you put worming tablets in it, because if they don't have worms, you don't need to give them worming tablets. And just do that as part of your quarterly quarterly uh, cycle with, with your, your, your dog. My dog had never had an antiparasitic in his, not once. Um, and yeah, he never got fleas, not once in his life. And well, I never gave him clean tick meds. I mean, he was well, raw pet for six months. And Taz, if you even go to the basics, and I'm, again, I'm not a biologist, um, you would never want me working on your vet, on your dog or your cat. But even if you think about carbohydrates mm. and kibble, yeah. it changes the acid levels in the stomach. It re raises the alkaline. So you, you're second in line of the uh, um, defense, apart from the amount, mouth power, which is something we never talk about, is yeah. the, the acid level. So if the acid level is at the correct level, it's killing a lot of this stuff and never gets into the system. And then the pancreas is working crazy. We could go on and spend hours on this. Oh, yeah. yeah, totally. The body knows what it to do. Just feed it, right? And it'll look after itself. And they even get rid of the cancerous cells in the body that we will have if you do what, if you feed it correctly, you just know. Mother, like I say, I trust Mother Nature. I'm with you. Yeah, we can't sterilize an ecosystem that functions properly. Once we start sterilizing it, we've destroyed all everything yeah, good. Yeah. So, I, I know, and your point around salmonella, I think, you know, I don't know why in America, what we in the UK, what we don't do is lick the chopping board after you've chopped up raw uh, chicken. I don't know what they think raw pet food parents do, <laughs> but I think we've all learned to wash our hands and, and handle meat sensibly and they're like adults and correctly my fear is actually a lot of people they treat so they put their hands in the kibble bowl and do it and don't wash their hands and you go that's worse there's more recourse there is on kibble than there is on yeah. raw so the fact that you're handling raw makes you even more um what's the word uh make sure you clean your house yeah your hygiene part of it so i just don't get this whole thing when covid happened um the whole world was being told to wash their hands and I kept wondering and I've said this before in other podcasts you know why are people being told to wash their hands are they not are they pooping and not washing their hands after <laughs> of course I wasn't <laughs> <laughs> but COVID made me do it um well, I, I have one more question for you quality of your meats that the pet industry in general um, has always been about the remnants, what's left behind that's non-consumable by uh, humans, right? So, and that's what goes into pet food. When you are making a quality raw food that you're not uh, thermally modifying or using high pressure pasteurization with, um, what kind of, how do you source your meat to make sure that you don't have any problems going forward? I mean, you already talked so, about how you process it. So let, let's be honest. Like you deal with raw products, that is going to be problems sometimes. The, the key is testing it and picking it up. So you know we're not. Uh, you know it, it's it's a natural product. I think the beauty of 
being deep sea and subscription is as a week and forecast going forward. So we never spot buy. I don't know if that's a phrase you guys mm -hmm. use over there, but so it's people come to us over deals all the time. Oh, I've got this, we've got that. We never buy. We only contract it to uh, human grade manufacturers. So I, it comes out of the human grade supply chain. That it doesn't come from anywhere else. And in the UK, and I think it's probably same in the States, is a lot of the good parts of the animal, the organ meats, often get shipped off to Africa to Asia because we don't eat them in the country. So actually all the good parts of the body, because they're really the muscle meat, it's probably the least nutritionally dense part of the animal, is the bits that we eat and the, the really good bits, the bits we don't eat. Um, so it's that whole nose to tail. So we find it very easy to contract and we work with suppliers and it'd been amazing even in the tough time we never ran out because we always told them the forecast and stuff like that so we could get all the quality cuts that we needed like i say for example the whole chicken without the feathers in the head and the feet um <laughs> that would go in it was like it wasn't just the carcass it wasn't just the bone it's the whole part of the, 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 the chicken goes in so those are the sort of things. And, and what we have on our website is we show uh, videos of the, the products going in. You can yeah. see the salmon, you can see the haddock, you can see even herring oil. We use herring oil. We don't use salmon oil because salmon oil, especially farmed, is a, a histamine response. So we get it from Iceland. Uh, all the seaweed comes from the Outer Hebrides of the Scottish Isles. Phenomenal growth. You can, you can meet, you know, more ag. Just probably pick them off the beach. Hey, this is for the wee dogs of the world. Uh, you know, and they are pride. So all the ingredients, we, we can track it. We know it's coming from. And in some cases, we actually know the people who are actually That's doing awesome. it for us. That's so important. Yeah, you guys um, in, in the United Kingdom are more similar to what Canada does with their raw foods and raw materials and use of herring oil. Here, we it's salmon oil. And... Um, you really don't know, you really don't know where it's coming from. Um, Mark, one more question, if you don't mind. I know, thank you for sure. taking so much time with me. Um, not all raw food is created equal. You have, in, in the US, we have, we go into pet stores and we have tons of brands and they are, are vitamin packs, synthetic vitamin packs. And um, not just single ingredient proteins, there's lamb, pork liver, pork kidneys, you know, chicken fat in the raw food. And I look at those ingredient panels. I'm like, well, how different is that than the kibble? But this is just frozen and then high pressure pasteurized or thermally modified to, um, you know, kill all the pathogens. So what would you tell pet owners to look for when they're looking for raw foods that are truly raw? and are impactful for health because not all raw foods like i said are created equal yeah you're right and, and, and minced mince is not balanced you know you've got to make sure you're balancing it um i think look you've got to pay a real price for your food there's no way getting around that so if you're paying 22p for food what's in it and what's not in it and mm -hmm. i think this whole thing around synthetic vitamins and minerals and stuff we still don't understand fully how much of that is actually absorbed by the body. The minute you take things out of the natural state or man-made or woman-made, it's not just the men who make this stuff. Um, it, you, we just don't know how it's absorbed by the body. 
and there's not enough research in there. We're only now just understanding the gut flora in terms of how important, but it's a bit like DNA. So much work to be done. Um, it's really exciting. And I think this is going to really show the difference of we can do tests at the start of a pet journey and later on and start to show all the different types of food and what the gut flora is like. We'll understand how that massively impacts the health and well-being of pets. So I think the number one is price. Mm-hmm. Is it price? If you think it's cheap, well, the other word, the other word to go with that is cheap ingredients. Um, if you think it's if it feels like that's a reasonable price, then it's probably reasonable ingredients going in. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest indicator. And as always, tid it around. And if there's anything you don't understand within the ingredients depth, well, probably the body doesn't either. Mm-hmm. Probably best stop to either. Your products are your products are priced reasonably as well. But when I if I look at the exchange rate, rate the pound to dollar, a dollar, your your prices are really reasonable. When I looked at your site, I was like, holy shit! Yeah, that, and that's the beauty of direct to consumer because I'm not paying any middleman. So mm. um, if if you do retail, sometimes you have to bastardize the product to make the profit, the margins. Yeah. So. We haven't had to do that. And you're right. I think in the States, the cost of what, for whatever reason, cost of pet food seems a lot higher in comparison because we haven't looked at it. And yeah, and I don't get it because there's so much GMO and all the other stuff that goes on in the States. It doesn't go on. Antibiotics doesn't happen in the UK the way you sit where you guys are. So yeah, I think I think there's a lot of smoky mirrors. Oh, the US is all smoke and mirrors when it comes to food. and pet retailers, I mean, it's packaging that really sells the product. The perception is off when it comes to food. Quality isn't really considered. And even the freezers and the raw food, when you go into pet stores, um, a brand that has shit value uh, is priced similarly to a brand that's very high value. And you look at the you look at the different ingredient panels and you see the differences, but people get caught into the marketing. They're caught up in the marketing yeah. of the brand. And, and the and big brands here do marketing. The smaller brands do community. And then the big brands come in and challenge the communities. So it's a really, it's a big clusterfuck that goes on in the U.S. And this is why I started following you. I'm like, this, it's the type of thing that feeds my soul. What you're doing feeds yeah. my soul in how I want to approach food and what I'm doing in my career in the pet food industry. Um, that's what I want to do in the US, what you do here. So that's great. And I think that like I say, you guys started it, you know, all I did was come in and go, how can I take on the big boys accessory? And, and with love, not with hate. You know, we're here about, like I said, we're not here to bash the vets. And I even think yeah. the big guys, they're not they're not evil by the they're not like going <laughs> I mean, they're profit centers. They're profit centers, and that's all they are. I mean, chug it out. They're owned by families who just want to see the 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 lanky doing this, you know. So I don't think there's anything. And look, if these guys start buying brands, trusted brands, and they can make it even bigger and better, well, job done, job done, because we are moving the uh, the needle forward. I, you know, I'm not precious that way. So that's what makes me about that. They have bought some of. The fresh food that's cooked because they still can't mm-hmm. get their heads around raw. But you know, 
the minute that one of these guys buys a war company, you might start to see legislation change in the US. Yes, you, you might definitely well see do. That. Hmm. I wonder why that would be. See there, scratching the chin if you listen to this on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mark, what do you want to leave us with? Herpes. No, I'm only joking. You want herpes? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my sixth sense of humor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, it's just like um, if you're on the sideline with that raw feeding, don't be. Um, you know, there's lots of great information out there. And, you know, come and join our Facebook group as well. You're all, you're all welcome. Um, you all. Uh, uh, to our Bella and Duke group on Facebook, you know, with the more the merrier. This is a global community. I, I ignore borders. You know, we're all on the same mission. And the more we get the word out, the more we can influence. And the best way to influence vets and the best way to influence food manufacturers is to pay, is to spend your dollar where you want to spend it. If you haven't got the right vet, if you haven't got the right manufacturers, go and find the ones right for you. And there's lots of resources out there. And Taz, like people like yourself, who just keep putting this message out there. I think we just keep doing it, keep fighting the fight, do an amazing job. And I think the community is getting bigger, it's getting more networked, and the, the voices are getting louder, and they cannot ignore it any longer. And that's not just in the pet world, but in the human world as well. And feed yourself right as well. <laughs> Make sure you're feeding yourself right and the kids and stuff. Good luck with the kids. I mean, I talk to my kids all the time, like, eh, 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 and they still buy that shite from the, the, the shops. But hey-ho, I can only give them the, uh, the education, the tools. We all learn. Mark, thank you so much. Mm -hmm.